0: This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor on episode 97, or visit their website at landbetterment.com.
1: We're also sponsored by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determined entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to build successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high growth companies, high growth careers, and high growth communities. I've personally known Dan Beldy for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all feel very blessed and grateful that a VC like himself is here in Kentucky. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more. Let's all grow this state together. You can reach out to Dan at info at airwing.vc or dan at airwing.vc and their website is www.airwing.vc. Right, right, we're here in Awesome Inks recording studio. We're about to talk about and recap Five Across, which was just a couple days ago. We're sitting here with Liz Brown-Evans and Logan Jones. Top team? How's it going?
0: We're going to record an episode here all about Five Across. So October Five it. Across, yeah. to be specific.
2: October Five Across.
0: Yeah, so I guess a good place to start would be to just kind of recap the teams that pitched, and we'll kind of dive in from there. Uh, Liz, do you want to go over... Who pitched at this most recent Five Across?
2: Yeah, I will. Also, I have to do my due diligence. Give our shout outs to yeah, our sponsors. Do. I will say people pay $5 to come to Five Across. They don't actually pay $5. Most of them get a free ticket. We rely wholly on sponsorships. So we do really have to give a big shout out to uh, Kinetic by Windstream, who's actually sponsored the whole year. And then Poplar Ventures, uh, which if you don't know, is a great VC here in town. Here in town?
0: Louisville. Louisville. They're in Louisville. townish. Sure.
2: In the region, who have just been great partners. So anyway, big shout out to both of those individuals um, and companies. So we had five teams. I'd say some of the most varied in, like, state of where they are as an idea versus a company, but their names, for those of you who are taking notes, which I'm sure you are. We had VR Together, 13 Layers, Express Run, Branch Out, and Pedestal. Honestly, it was a pretty it was a pretty varied group of individuals. So first up was VR Together. Richie, full disclosure, the founder is like a good friend of a bunch of us here at the Awesome Inc. Space. Uh he's been around the community. He's been a developer for us before. Um and has this really I, I genuinely thought it was personally one of my favorite ideas out of the five, um, called VR Together. Do you want to summarize Logan?
0: Yeah. So essentially they're trying to increase quality of life for older people by allowing them to experience vr with other people which is kind of the novel part of uh, the software the application that richie was pitching here i thought it would be cool to allow these people who are lonely to be able to interact with other people in vr and experience other things in vr so i'm glad that richie's doing that he has a background in vr uh he is the right person to be going at, at this. What do you I think thought? It, Evan?
1: I thought it was a great pitch. I thought like his delivery was uh I thought the best of anybody and his slides were really solid for the presentation. I think there is a problem. My grandmother has this problem. She's told me she has this problem. And mm. so I've continually tried to think of ways to uh you know help solve this for her. Obviously, it's just being with her in person as much as I can. Uh, she's about an hour and a half away, so I'm able to go see her, um, pretty frequently. Uh, but there is a problem here. And if there's a way to interact with her more frequently, that would be amazing. But older people just don't adopt technology whatsoever. I mean, she has a cell phone that she doesn't know how to use and her texts to me are just hilarious because it's just funny (laughs) seeing, you know, an elderly, elderly person text. So I'm not sure a VR headset, uh, would be something she'd be willing, um, to do continuously, I, she would try. It just gives her personality. But um, I, I think the idea uh, at its surface is
0: great. I think the adoption uh, would be the the challenge here. I agree with you on the adoption. I tried to get my grandparents noise canceling headphones, and they <laughs> well, they opted for the Apple headphones with that with the wires. So I think adoption is going to be a major kind of issue for them to to overcome. But they do have uh, some interesting. They got some interesting grants, and they had some uh, good, I guess, case studies that they kind of went through on those, uh, few slides there that that's kind of what caught my attention. They, I believe it was the SBIR grant that they, they had won. And he even said that it was one of the most competitive cohorts, uh, during the time when he actually got that. So that was a pretty positive indicator to me. Um, I think he was still trying to work through some of the revenue model of it and how it was actually going to be a sustainable business.
2: Yeah. Here's what I liked about, we are together, though, like you said, the, I thought just from a design perspective, he did a great job presenting the information, clean slide deck, uh, well-presented information. But Louisville is such an asset from like an aging population. There's such a hub there of healthcare companies that are focused on how to care for the aging population that I feel like even just from a geographic standpoint, he's in the right place, whether Lexington or Louisville, they're the same. I just keep making that claim. We're basically ten minutes apart. No, but I I just think it's a great. Uh, he's in a good spot for it. So I do think it needs to be a little bit more baked out as far as actual users go, business model, et cetera. But um, I mean we know Richie and I know he's he's working hard on this, fiber cross or otherwise. So I'm excited to see him keep building. Yeah,
1: yeah. Great this pitch. will be a thing. I mean, yeah. You know, when we're in our 70s and 80s, you know, we'll be much more comfortable with VR. Evan, sure. will you
2: hang out with me on VR when we're 70?
1: Maybe. We'll see. But I do think, you know, this is a long-term build, right? And so I think it does make a ton of sense. It's just, you know, right now could be too early. Now, he should talk to our friend Aaron Ganey over at Mm, Behavior. Behavior. Yeah. Behavior.
0: Behavior. Behavior. Yeah. Yep. We did. Uh, We had a great episode with him. Cool. Uh, Well, that should cap off that pitch. Um, Good job, Richie. Really enjoyed listening to that one. I am a big VR nerd anyway, so I loved hearing about that idea.
2: Look, thought it was a good idea. I, I thought it was a good idea, up. so
0: that's how you know that it's a good idea is because I thought of it.
2: 13 too. layers.
0: 13 layers. So 13 layers is, as I understand it, essentially a preventative cybersecurity layer that would be on top of your existing firewall. I don't know if any of you, either of you guys would be able to explain that better than me. That, that was my understanding of it. Not a cybersecurity guy. Uh, very niche space. Uh,
1: but, um, you know, the problem of cybersecurity is massive. You know, he gave some crazy crazy figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6 trillion dollars in damages due to cybercrime. Ransomware is responsible for 20 billion of that uh, around the world. You know, massive numbers. It's only getting worse. They're taking a, an approach that is reactive versus proactive. Uh, rather, rather they're they're reactive. doing proactive versus reactive. We've had this debate on our podcast actually uh with Wes Spencer, founder of Perch. Uh, they are also uh reactive. He he believes that it's a waste of time to be proactive hmm. because as a hacker, it's your job to find what proactive people didn't see. Right. And so you can never beat a hacker. Like the hackers, like the hackers, hacker because they got through and they found um, vulnerabilities that you didn't even know existed. That's why companies like pay for hackers to uh, expose their weaknesses because you don't know what weaknesses you have until they're exposed, sure. really, in a lot of cases. Um, so there, we've had this debate on the podcast on whether, you know, cybersecurity should be proactive or reactive. Wes Spencer believes, you know, reactive is the way to go and the speed at which you can react and the effectiveness of which you can react and identify where the problem was, the better off you're going to be versus trying to spend too much money on the proactive side. Um, so I can't speak to which one is better, but Wes Spencer had his opinion. Uh, this is interesting. It's a hardware product. Uh, it's on-prem, um, And so they're also selling subscriptions. They have customers, which I thought was really interesting. Um, They have Madison County in Kentucky. So they've got an entire uh, county, which has some very um, valuable and risky assets in that town. Chemical weapons. Chemical weapons. I mean, (laughs) I hope they have good cybersecurity. Uh, And then uh, a a small mom and pop sign company. Um, And so he gave a pretty weird figure that um, I would love to hear more about. But each month, this Madison County got almost a million threats. Yeah. And uh, he claimed that they
0: prevented those. Uh, a million threats. That's like,
1: that's insane. It's
2: scary. It's not nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: I, this may be a dumb question, and I don't think either of you guys are going to be able to tell me otherwise, but why not just have both proactive and reactive, like have the hardware sitting on top, and then if it does get through, you got the reactive. I guess that's just more expensive. Wow. But, I don't know. That's answer. a groundbreaking that's idea. A, I know that is. <laughs> you should pitch uh,
2: in February. You should just be across. a CIA at a major corporation. Yeah. It sounds like. <laughs> now I think to your point, um, this spoiler uh, was the winning pitch. They took first place. I think it was. It's timely. I feel like everyone is aware. Whether you're incredibly knowledgeable or less than medium, like probably the three of us at this table, you're aware that it's a problem um and i do also think the judges liked the traction Mm -hmm. that they had users um they have actual numbers they can put behind their idea um and as i said at the beginning i think this is probably the widest one of the widest spectrums we've had of how far along some of these ideas or startups are um and i think it's safe to say they're maybe them and vr together probably the furthest along Mm -hmm. out of the five yep um, so overall, again, I think this will be, this will be a thing, whether how they do that is probably above my pay grade.
0: One of the things that kind of caught my ear when I was listening to the pitch is that the system can train itself and then also train your pre-existing firewall through artificial intelligence. I'm not going to get too deep into that because I don't understand how it's training itself. I don't know a ton about the data set that it's training itself on, but that is something that they mentioned. That was a question that the judges asked as well and i guess if they won that was a satisfactory answer they gave to that question so uh just something that kind of caught my ear that i thought was really interesting
1: yeah i thought the delivery of of his pitch was really good um yeah. i think it's part of the reason why he won um you know i think uh they they're solving a problem a big problem um and they've got traction so it makes sense why they won yep all right uh let's recap express run so express run from what i understand is a plugin for shopify stores that allows them to offer uh, delivery services, uh, various kinds, but primarily uh, last mile delivery the same day, whatever it might be. Uh, But it's a plug-in, easily onboards a store, uh, and then when somebody's checking out, they can choose various options. And what they're doing is create an API that connects with various last mile delivery providers and delivery services, um, aggregates them, and then gives that option to the consumer when they're checking out um, and this increases business for the stores because now they have a, a better delivery option, whereas before they might have only done you know one, two, or two, three-day delivery, maybe, uh, maybe even more than that. Um, but by offering same-day, if somebody's in a crunch and they need a, an item from a small small store, they can just go online and get delivered to the front door without having to leave their house. Um, so I think it's a pretty cool solution. Um makes a ton of sense. They did have some traction which I thought was interesting. Uh, seems like they've got um, some companies on here that are massive companies. i would be curious how deep within these businesses there are. I mean, Pepsi, Caterpillar, Tractor Supply, Menards. I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what didn't, they didn't have time to touch on how deep they are with these companies, but uh, it seems like solid traction.
2: Yeah. I think they have, I mean, this one I felt was clean deck. It was a good pitch. Um they also spoiler were second and crowd favorite, which I think just speaks to you. they were likable and I just think did a great job presenting a problem that we can all we can all resonate with. We all have things delivered to us. Um I think to know all the traction is pre-beta launch. Um So, again, not that I think every five across or pitch competition is all about how far along you are. I think judges often take a lot of things into consideration. I think these judges in particular paid a lot of attention to kind of how far along these ideas were. So, I'll only mention that as like a data point. But I I really like this pitch in general and I thought they did a great job.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of attention being paid to last mile delivery right now. Uh, You see all these really high tech solutions like drones delivering things. Uh, But whenever you typically think of last mile delivery and those who have nailed it, you're typically thinking of Amazon. So I really like that. They're trying to provide a solution to somebody who might be running a smaller shop on a platform like Spotify and hopefully allowing them to uh, be able to offer a somewhat competitive solution to that. So um, love that they're doing it through APIs. I think that's kind of the new way of building new solutions in, in the software economy. Um, And yeah, overall great energetic pitch. I like the way he presented everything. That's pretty much all i have on on that one you guys got anything else to have yeah i mean i've been kind of following the shopify you know story
1: and you know salesforce is known to have the largest app exchange the largest uh, digital marketplace to buy applications Uh, spotify or or shopify is quickly catching up it's such a great platform i mean Mm. so many businesses are jumping over to you know shopify and the economy being built around Shopify is pretty massive. So it's really cool to see companies just build on top of Shopify. You know, if you think about it, it's kind of a, a big risk. But Shopify has gone to such a big place in society that's no longer viewed as, you know, a risk. And there's so many apps launching uh, on the Shopify store. I think it's really cool to track. Yeah, making entrepreneurship more accessible. Yeah, they everybody. just make it, like, really easy. You know, you mm-hmm. provide one small solution for a Shopify store, but there's millions of stores And it's easy for you to just be a plug-in.
0: Yep, Yeah. for sure. All right, let's go on to Branch Out. And uh, one of the main things I loved about Branch Out is that it was three young entrepreneurs that had come from the Governor's School for Entrepreneurship. That was part of their pitch. Uh, One of them was talking about applying to it, figuring out about the program eight days before the deadline and then rushing to get her application in. Uh, So what they are doing is basically just building a platform for high school students to learn about internships, which is something uh, I would have loved as a high school student. I don't think I even... I didn't have any way of knowing uh, about internships when I was a high school student. And one of the most poignant things that they pointed out about this whole process is the ratio of counselors who are typically going to be the people pointing out internships to students. Uh, the ratio of them to actual students is like over 450 to 1. 464
2: 60, to 1. 464 to 1. 464 is to
0: one. nuts. That's crazy. Stupid. Even beyond internships, when you think about 464 to 1.
2: Providing like, any sort of help. Yeah. To these students, I mean, you just can't do it. It's not possible to hit every single one.
0: It's not scalable. So they are working on a platform to solve that. So businesses can put their internships on there. They're targeted towards high school students. I believe it's also service opportunities as well, correct? Didn't they mention that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really think internships was kind of broad. Um, service opportunities. and I mean, even if they're not planning to do it, I feel like it would be applicable to both. I just think this is such a great opportunity of using technology or a great example of using technology to solve. You can either address this as saying we need to make more counselors or you can use technology to address this problem to say, let's help these counselors do a better job at what they're doing. Um, I mean, like you said, I love a good story of GSC people. If you remember, what was that? Two years ago, we had two GSC grads who pitched dose defense.
0: Yep. Yeah, we had them on.
2: Yep. Um, mm-hmm. At any time, it's GSE grads. Um. I just love seeing them up there. I mean, it's just really brave. They're pretty early on. They're probably the earliest out of the five. Um. And I'll say, like, my position sitting here is, like, the awesome person I will say. I think what I want people to take away from this is that, like, you don't need to wait to pitch at five or Cross. Like, I think they should pitch now, and I'm glad they did. I think they should pitch again in a year or two from now, hope- assuming that they continue building this. Um. I just – I think we would love to continue to see that journey. But, I mean, as far as the pitch itself, I I was mostly – I'm probably biased just because they're so young. I was just impressed. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think any way to help, you know, students both in high school and college, you know, figure out what they want to do with themselves is such an important problem to solve. I mean, you know, I wish I could have gotten more involved in technology earlier in my life or even known that was going to be an interest of mine um, before I got to college. I mean, I was just working in warehouses all – you know, every summer in high school. I wish I, you know, had access to the opportunities or knew about them. Uh, and so this is a cool app. You know, I, I uh, had to struggle uh, getting involved in high school, and if there's something to help with that, then I think this is a, a great op- option. I think uh, going to market with this would be, you know, really hard. Um, you know, if schools are already strapped with what, you know, they want to pay for. Part of the reason why that ratio is so bad, you know, that 400... And sixty-four to one is just because schools can't afford it any better to improve that ratio. Mm-hmm. So our, adding in a, a software layer um, could make sense, uh, but also it just has to make uh, economical sense for the school. Because if they're not going to pay for another person to improve this ratio, you know they're going to pay for a piece of software.
0: Then they said it was like a dollar a month or ten dollars a year, or something like that. So hopefully that would be a price point that schools could cover most of, to offer as a resource to their students. But yeah. aside from the business idea, I think the the idea itself is solid. I think it's something that's needed. Uh, I don't think it can be uh, overstated how important it is for high school students like that to, one, be thinking entrepreneurially and, and come up with an idea uh, trying to solve a problem that they identify in the world. But two – to get up there and pitch in front of those people and take questions from judges. And like one of my favorite parts is when they, they were like asking for funding uh, just cause I can remember like trying to say, Oh, I need this much money to build a business before I even knew what it went in on entrepreneurship. And for them to say they needed 200 and some thousand whatever it was, which in, you know, now that we're in the startup world <laughs> right. is like nothing, nothing. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but I just think that that's really cool. And that's a really important skill for them to build. Um, so kudos to those girls for getting up there and, and pitching that and, honing their public speaking skills and stepping out of their comfort zone. I think that's something I'd love to see more of.
2: Yeah, I love it. GSC, send them our way.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, I'll start the next one. The next last one, rather, uh, was Pedestal from uh, Jake Miller, who is a friend of the startup community. He currently is involved with Toggle Health, which is his main startup. Um, But I do also know in his spare time, Jake is an artist. So Pedestal is... Basically, his idea to take the really ugly – I'm sitting here looking at the photos. I'm trying to think of how to visually describe it. Like the old gas station signs that aren't gas stations anymore or like the La Quinta Inn signs that isn't a La Quinta Inn. Like what do you do with the like two-pronged post essentially? Um, And his idea or proposition is that you you should make it into sort of these public art displays and put art up on a pedestal. Um, And, again, I think this is a great example of, like, everyone's seen those signs. Every one of us can say, I've been driving down the highway, I saw that, it looked ugly, and I wish that it wasn't an eyesore. Um, So his solution is to make them um, into art displays, I think, where he is – Admittedly, he admitted even to the judges, still working out kind of what the financial model looks like. So I think the most obvious financial model would be to go, like art is often in the nonprofit world, or you go by grant funding, or you have patrons of some sort, which is, as he described it, not sustainable and way too slow, which I appreciate that he just came out with and was like, that's not how this needs to go. Um, but I think I'm I'm maybe still unclear on exactly what his revenue model is. I understand in the future, getting into the world of like NFTs and coins, et cetera, which I don't really know that I'm ready to give a TED Talk on NFTs right now or that any of us really want to dive deep into that. But maybe y'all can even speak to more like this description ad-based revenue model he's getting at. So – we can dive into that all together. I think it's a great idea. I think it's interesting. Everyone can resonate with it. Um, I think Jake is also just a master presenter. He's just a good time to listen to. Energetic. He's very energetic. Um, and I'm just always here to listen to Jake Miller's ideas. So that's my personal take, but I don't know what thoughts y'all have on maybe business model in the pitch.
0: Yeah. I think any business model that involves like art uh, is typically difficult to try and monetize in a really sustainable way, just for the reasons you just kind of mentioned. So I did admire that he wanted to use NFTs, which are a pretty dang new technology and innovation within, you know, art is one of the major focuses of the NFT space right now. My only concern with that, especially in Kentucky, is so few people know about NFTs and know how they work or know why they should buy one or, you know, because essentially you would want to support one of these art projects through purchasing an NFT. The artist would also have the NFT that as it increases in value, um, then you you can get some sort of monetary value out of that. Uh, But I think it's a little early for the NFT revenue model that he was talking about. And to be honest, I really didn't understand exactly what he wanted to go after with the NFT model that he was proposing. Evan, what do you think? I think this is tough. I mean, is it better to take it down
1: completely or put an art there? Because if you put art there, is the art going to degrade, like the science degraded? Who's going to keep up the art? You know, I think it's you know putting a Band-Aid on the actual problem, which is that that business is no longer sustainable and can't afford the sign. So like, are you solving the underlying problem that the business cannot you know sustain a good-looking sign, or are you just putting a Band-Aid on it p- temporarily? Is somebody now taking new ownership of the sign? So I think there's underlying problems uh, at a foundational level that prevent this, uh, that I need more information on. But as of right now, based on what information I have, um, it's just like putting a Band-Aid on you know a big cut um and it might make more sense to just take the sign down that's my non-optimistic view of this as somebody that loves art i mean i think there's Do you parts though
2: of... cuz it sounds like you don't appreciate art <laughs> i'm big i'm a big <laughs> art guy
1: um i think this would be great for certain parts of of towns you know i think that like he said you know when you drive into a certain part of town one of the first things you notice are these old signs that just look like garbage And it makes you not want to go into that part of town. It makes you – but, again, if there's a messed up sign, then the building that's next to is probably going to be messed up. I
2: don't think it solves the building problem. What I do find interesting is that you can sort of separate, like, that actual structural post from the building. So I think the building problem has to be solved regardless. But even if something new or interesting comes in, I think you can keep this, like, community art piece there. Like, they don't have to go hand in hand, which is what I find – like I think there could be a way forward where you fix the actual problem of a business that no longer exists um, while – I mean they even now have – so I know my brother, he opened up a event venue off of Versailles and um, in order to get – maybe it was like a grant or some sort – I don't remember. They had some stipulation where they had to put a community art piece out front on Versailles Road, which mm. they did. And it is this sort of cool – like you walk up, there's this kind of random art piece, but like it's right next to this warehouse building. Um, and I think that, to me at least, is an example of how you can they can sort of exist separately. But I don't know that I yet could. Obviously, obviously, I cannot explain to you the exact way that he wants to make money off of this. But
0: yeah, well, aside from making money, great pitch, love the idea. I think it'd be cool to see more art uh, elevated where you can see more of it. Um, but yeah, business model's still a little unclear. But I think he kind of knew that, so. It's not yeah. like he was, he was there having fun. Yeah, Jake, he was having fun. Jake he just has a good time with good pitching
2: time. and with entrepreneurship, which yeah. I think is my biggest takeaway. No,
0: I love that. And that's what I think Five Across should be about, is exposing people to entrepreneurship, showing that uh, you can have an idea and kind of jam on it, get up there and pitch it, get some critiques on it, work your way through the business model. Um, so, yeah, I'm all about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, everyone else should come be about that. We've got the finals now. Um, so 13 Layers just booked their tickets. To the finals, which I'm triple checking my information is on December eighth. Five will thousand be bucks. Five thousand
1: dollars. Five G's. If, if the theaters closed, where is it going to be this year?
2: If the if Lyric Theater is closed. no, I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Kentucky. So yeah, last think, year, I don't think Kentucky. Kentucky theaters opening. So right now, the plan is probably for us to be back at Lyric. Emily might yell at me for saying that because I don't know if we've confirmed that, but I think we have. So okay. our plan is to be back at or to be at Lyric Theater. Um, ooh, I should have had the five ready. For who's coming? It's oh man, thirteen layers. I don't think I can look that information up fast enough.
0: But we've done enough recaps now that I feel like I should be able to kind of rattle them off. Yeah. But
2: February have, like, was a long memory. time ago. Yeah, it was. I, I can't
0: believe it's. It. I can't believe it's already yeah. almost December in time for the finals. If
2: Keith were here, he would remember. But yeah, that's um, okay. The five winners of the year will be there on December eighth, so everyone should come check it out.
0: Cool. Anything else to add before we sign it off?
2: Thanks to Windstream and Popular Ventures.
0: <laughs> Final sponsorship. Flag. Cool. Liz, thanks for joining us as always. We'll see you guys at the Five Cross Finals December 8th.
2: See ya.